When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. The GM Shuffle is back with lots of takeaways from preseason week two. We'll talk about what's happening with the New England Patriots, plus other teams right now. As Some quarterbacks have looked good. Some quarterbacks have been a little bit shaky. But right now, I feel like calling Michael Lombardi the traveling man. You've been on the road in Nashville, now Tucson, Vegas. How has the road been for you, Mike? Uh, you know, not bad, AD. It's it's okay. I mean, we're starting to get back at it. Uh, it's, you know, I feel, you know, I, I feel good to be around. Like today, this past three days, I spent time with the Arizona University football team. Jed Fish asked me to come out and, and kind of spend some time with their personnel department. And so that's been great. It's fun for me to be around it and to watch kids practice and to, to be around the coaches. So it's, you know, it's like a rebirth and, and, uh, and then I've got to go on to Vegas to do my show there from Vegas because we have a circuit panel. Remember, we had Mike Palm on last year, and this circuit contest has gotten huge. And and so it's the Derek Stevens at the Circa Hotel has increased the the payments, the uh, the the the. the uh, the winnings total. So it's going to be, you know, and then I have to speak at a panel in Las Vegas on Saturday afternoon. So I'm going to spend a few days R&R out there, do my show, you know, bake in the 110 degree Las Vegas heat. And everybody tell me it's dry. It's really not that hot, but it's really freaking hot. But other than that, we're good. <laughs> Never gets old, right? It's not the heat, it's the humidity. No, no, it's 110 degrees. It's blazing hot, okay? I don't care about the humidity. It's, it's still fucking hot. hot. Like, like, stop that. It's hot, okay? You can't even touch your car, you, the steering wheel in your car. You have to wear gloves because it's so freaking hot. So, <laughs> you know, but I'm happy to be out there. I'm happy to be with... Uh, I'm happy to be with the the Circa and Derek and Mike Palm and and join that and and this contest. I mean, I I know last year we had Mike on. We didn't have him this year, but uh, the contest is tremendous. They pay uh, every every quarter. There's winners, and then obviously the total I think is a million dollars that that gets to the winner. You got to pick five games a week. Uh, based on the spread of the, what the circuit gives you Wednesday afternoon, so it's not a moving spread. There's no steam in the spread. So, uh, you know, and you pick five games and you see how you come out. And, you know, hopefully you could get a lot of four-in-one weeks going. 
which would put you right in position to win the damn thing. Good luck to everybody. Hopefully uh, the odds go in their favor. As far as football was concerned in week two, nothing went in the favor of the Eagles. We could crank up a little Sergio Leone right now. Clint Eastwood, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good was Cam Newton and Mac Jones looked good. The bad was the Eagles' performance. They didn't score a single point. They lost the Patriots 35 to nothing. And then there was the ugly. We'll work backwards, Mike, and go with this first. Cam Newton will not be with the Patriots at the bulk of practice this week because of what the team says is a misunderstanding of the league's COVID-19 protocols. He left New England for a team-approved medical appointment, but conducted tests away from NFL facilities. So he's subject to a five-day entry process before being allowed back to the Pats facility. NFL Network reported the team is very frustrated with how everything unfolded. People inside the organization believe it's opened a window for Mac Jones to take over as the team's starting quarterback. Belichick was asked if this was a big week for Jones. He said that it is. Obviously, everyone knows your ties to Belichick, your ties to the New England Patriots organization. How is this being received, Cam Newton's behavior? Well, I mean, I think, look, uh, the longer, and Cam hasn't said whether he's been vaccinated or not, but obviously the implication here is he hasn't. And, you know, we live in a world where you can make your own decisions, you know, and but you're going to have to pay the consequences of those decisions. I mean, it's it, we're going to be a vaccinated society before too long, whether you want to come along board or not. And if you want to work, yesterday I was on Twitter and some kid from Rutgers said, because Rutgers won't allow me to participate, I've decided to take my talents elsewhere because I won't get vaccinated. Great. Take your talents elsewhere. Well, I don't know where you're going to go, but take them somewhere else because everybody else is going to want you to be vaccinated too. Like at some point, this independent thinking is going to create a, 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 a void in your life. And I, I, I don't know why Cam, if he does or doesn't want to do it, I don't know. That's not my, it's not my uh, area of expertise. But I will say this, if you want to compete and you want to be part of a team, you are going to have to get vaccinated. I mean, it's just as simple as that. And this opens the door for Mac Jones. I mean, and Mac Jones has looked, I would say, really good this summer. You know, I don't want to go too high or too low. I think he's done a nice job. The difference when Mac's in the game to when Cam's in the game is simply this. When Mac's in the game, they run the old Tom Brady offense. Not to the degree of Brady. I don't want to imply that. They run their offense that they're used to. Some no huddles, some tempo, some things that they like to do. When Cam's in the game, they're more deliberate. They're more slower. Uh, they want to do certain things. They, it's a, a very heavily play-action game, plus they have the running quarterback element to it. So, you know, this opens the door for Josh McDaniels and the offensive staff to kind of expand where they want to go, what they want to do, and, and, and see if Matt can handle it. Now, I, I don't know where this leads us to in terms of opening day. Because I really think that deciding on who the starting quarterback requires second-order thinking, right? So we've talked about this on the pod, AD. Whenever you make a decision, you must always make a decision and then advance the decision in your mind. If I start Mac Jones and then start putting scenarios down, if Mac Jones struggles in weeks one and two, what do I do? If Mac Jones struggles and he can't handle blitz or if he, the game overwhelms him where it's too big for him, what do I do? Okay, if I start Cam, what do I do? What happens if Cam doesn't play well? I have an answer. What happens if Cam plays well? I have an answer. So I think where Belichick must come from is that where do I do? And this is all of them. Now, what, what changes situations is the team. I think New England feels like they've got a really good team. I'm not saying they think they have a Super Bowl winning team, but they have a good team. They, they know they're a long way from being a great team, but they have a good team and they're going to get better as the year goes on. 
And their quarterback's got to get better as the year goes on as well for them to get to where they want to go. With that being said, the Bears don't have a good team. They have a 39-year-old left tackle who can't stay healthy. You know, their right tackle's not a good player. He's just coming back off injury. They've got Andy Dalton. Their offense looks like crap. Like, where are we going? So second-order thinking for should the Bears start Fields or should they start Dalton is different than second-order thinking in a team like New England or San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo. And ultimately, listen, whoever is a better quarterback is going to play. I've often felt like my Cam Newton was uh, underwhelming. I think we can all agree with that his year last year. And Mac Jones clearly will be the quarterback of the future. Sooner rather than later, he could be the guy. Just numbers-wise, Cam looks sharp. Eight of nine, 103 yards and a touchdown. Mac Jones, 146 yards, 13 of 19 passing. I think eventually Mac Jones will be the guy. I just don't know at what point that'll happen. What do you think? That's right. I mean, if you said to me, who will be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots in the year 2023? I think the answer is pretty easy. It's going to be Mac Jones. Right, I think there's no doubt. Nobody would debate that. Who's going to be the starting quarterback against the Miami Dolphins at 425 on September 12th? I think that's a little bit of a different, difficult story. But I think that the, the one thing you feel if you're a Patriot fan is you you got a guy that is you can you can build and start. He's going to build a team around. It's been AD. So I'm out here at the University of Arizona and it's been a blast, right? So I sit in this room with, with all their personnel department and we start going through all these high school players. And they have this thing called huddle, which I'm sure people know about, which is these kids, they're highlight tapes of all the high school prospects, which is incredible because when I first started in scouting, you know, you had to literally go to the games. It was hard to get tape. You barely could watch the kids. You had to rely on some scout there. So you sit there, at your, you sit your fat ass at a table, you have a cup of coffee and you start watching these. High- so like I said to the guy, I, I said to Matt, who runs the, the personnel department here at Arizona, I said, Matt, put on uh, Trey Lance's tape. Put it on. High school tape, right? I put on his high school tape. Pretty good. Not bad. Put on his high school basketball highlights. Okay. Not bad. Let's put Baker Mayfield's tape on from high school. Let's put Zach Wilson's tape on from high school. How about Mac Jones? Let's put his tape on from high school. And it's really kind of interesting to watch it. It's fascinating. Zach Wilson was really good in high school. Wow. Wow. I mean, he was trying to get UCLA to take him. He couldn't do it. He ended up settling for BYU, but he had no other offers other than Boise State. Mac Jones played at a really good school in Jacksonville, very, a very wealthy school, great facilities. I think somebody said yesterday they're building like a $125 million uh, athletic complex at this high school. Can you imagine that? And so, uh, and, and Mac didn't get any, was, was Central Florida. Uh, South Florida, you know, basically these middle-level schools. But Lane Kiffin came through and brought him, saw him, offered him. Then he went to Alabama's camp, and then they offered him a scholarship. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the Southeast Conference got on Mac Jones. So when you watch these tapes, you know, and you go back and look at them compared to what they were, like Trey Lance's high school tape, he's a huge player on the field playing against the guys that are look slower and he was good. I wouldn't say it was like, oh my God, this is a great tape. His basketball tape was good. I didn't, I don't think he played above the rim or he was unbelievable, but it was good. It was really good. And could I see that some teams passed on him? Yeah, I probably could. I mean, would I think why Northern Illinois didn't offer him? I don't know. Why any Mac team didn't offer him? I don't know. Why he had to go to NC North Dakota State, you know, and, and go in that level? 
that's that's surprising considering that you know he's in Minneapolis and but you could see all the stuff and and it's fascinating to watch these kids play because they look so similar to what they look today it's really fun pretty cool to see those experiences like you said see those young players at that age and wondering what the future could be the future for the Eagles offense a little murky they were without starting quarterback Jalen Hurts who was scratched because of a non-COVID illness before the game Apparently, he went to the hospital because of abdominal pain What was discharged. Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni said, for a guy like that to tell us, he's a tough guy. It must have been hurting him pretty good. However, Hertz was seen dancing on the field during warm-ups wearing full gear. What do you make of it, Mike? The guy gets scratched after going to the hospital, but there he is dancing with his buddies. Yeah, I mean, I do WIP every Friday at 7 o'clock, and, and, they, and they asked me after that. And I said, like, I don't understand. You know, why would he have to go to the hospital? You have the best medical people in the world right there at the Philadelphia, right at the stadium. Well, they had to go get an ultrasound. They thought he was going to have a, 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 they thought he was, they had to get some tests because they thought he had an appendicitis. Well, I mean, you do an ultrasound for appendicitis. They have that at the facility. So, you know, like it's to me, it's just it looks like they didn't want to play their starters. The Eagles were very content. They felt like they dominated the two days of practice. I didn't see that when I watched the tape with the coaches. I didn't see that. I I didn't see it. I saw two teams, you know, playing. I thought it was a good competitive practices. I thought the Patriots on Tuesday had a had a better day than Philly. But if you listen to the Philly media, it was a you know somebody in the Philadelphia media said that that just watching two days of practices, the Eagles are at least two games better than the Patriots in the win total. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, you know, I mean, again, I urge everybody evaluate the evaluator, right? Evaluate the evaluator. Like, don't just buy the rhetoric, especially if you're going to get in any kind of these super contests. But so I don't think they wanted to play their guys. They played their offensive line a little bit. Lane Johnson was out there, you know, but for the most part, I don't think they wanted to play their their main players. We shall see. But when it was a two against two game, AD, when it was a two against two game, the Patriots just kicked their ass. Patriots pad level was better. You know, the, the thing you've got to be able to do, this is what's interesting about preseason this year. Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, two coaches going in the Hall of Fame. They're playing their players this preseason because why? There's limited hard pads days. When they kick the ball off on September 9th and September 12th, both teams, Kansas City, New England, all that will only have had 10 padded practices by the time they kick it off. 10. How do you get pad level? Football is a game of pad level and tackling. And if you watch the Eagles tape against the Patriots, they tackle like shit. If you watch the Patriots, they tackle pretty well. You got to practice tackling. And so I think that these teams that are so concerned about not practicing and, and worried about injuries, they're going to have a hard month of September. It's going to be challenging. I'm still laughing with the over-under win total there. Like the Patriots, if you say to you, I'm like, maybe, I don't know, 10 and 17, that would mean the Eagles are going to be 12 and 5. I, mean, that, I don't know who the hell that writer is, but that's I mean, a laugh. Can laugh- you imagine that? I mean, it's so laughable. And he tweeted it out like he was proud of himself. Like, seriously, you know, this is like, are you watching the same thing? First of all, let's just break down Philly for a second here, okay? I think their win total was six and a half, I think, on DraftKings. Yeah, that's right. Maybe it's seven. All right, so... All right, let's just break them down. They're really good in the defensive front. Like Fletcher Cox is good. You know, Hargrave's really good. Their defensive ends are really good. You know, their linebackers may be the worst linebackers in all of football. They cannot cover man-to-man with their linebackers. They're horrendous, okay? And they're going to play all zone in the secondary. They can't engage in a man-to-man game. So what does that tell us? It tells us they better be really good up front. They better be able to dominate the game up front. I worry about their overall conditioning. 
They don't practice. They have three levels of practice. They rarely go two hours in any practice. And if teams know huddle this defensive front, particularly in September, in September, when they're tired, when the, when the heat and humidity is really a factor, you're going to be able to take advantage of a very bad secondary and a very bad linebacking core. Offensively now, you know, the Eagles believe their strength is in their offensive line. We shall see. Can they get, you know, Dillard's not going to be the left tackle. Malata is going to be the left tackle. It, we'll, we'll see if Lane Johnson stays healthy. Brandon Brooks at the right guard. Their skill players are good. You know, I think they'll definitely be good. Miles Sanders is outstanding. Jalen Hurts, what's he going to become? Is he going to become a pocket passer or is he going to be a one look and run guy? They want to throw the ball to tight ends, Goddard and Hurts. And most teams are going to take away Goddard and Hurts. They know that's where he wants to throw the ball. So it's one look and run. So I think it's going to be a challenging season for Philly to stay healthy and to rely on some of the things they don't have. Do I think they could win seven games? Yeah, they could win seven games, but they're going to have to stay really healthy. They're going to have to stay really healthy. And that's not been that's not been their trademark. Right. If you look at their line play, especially their offensive line, ravaged by injuries a season ago, they have the depth on the D-line. You're right. Offensive line, it's been a different story. One more thought here on the Patriots, and this is involving the L.A. Rams, a team that many think could be the team to come out of the NFC. Well, they lose Cam Akers, who's a really valuable running back, so boom, they are not scoring around. The Rams acquire Stoney Michelle from the Patriots. Uh, New England receives two conditional draft picks, one in the fifth round, another in the sixth. Cam Akers tore his Achilles while working out before training camp, and now Michelle fills the need for the Rams. This, to me, Mike, it further proves how with the Rams, they are all in, right? And they are so top-heavy with their talent. Like, they, they can ill afford any of these top guys to get injured, but as soon as somebody does, boom, let's go out and get somebody. You've got Stafford. Obviously, you want to win right now. Your defense, again, top-heavy. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. If those guys get hurt, you're dead. But the Rams are clearly signaling, no, no, we're all in right now. We're pushing our chips to the table. Michelle will try to fill in four acres for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and look, if you're New England, I mean, look, Damian Harris, I'm not trying to give anybody any fantasy advice here, but Damian Harris is going to be their featured back, and he's really good. And this offensive line can knock people off the ball. And they're going to be able to run the football on pretty much anybody. And so Damian Harris is a really good player. Now, he's got to stay healthy. That's been part of his ability to stay healthy has been a concern. But he's going to have to stay healthy. And, you know, the, what happened was Michelle became, do they, can they get him to the game? If You know, everything about New England is, are we going to be able to get him to the game? So, you know, with Damian Harris, James White, Brandon Bolton's big in the kicking game. There's three backs. Okay, so now it comes down to between Stevenson and Sonny Michelle. Are they going to dress for the game? And J.J. Taylor, who had a really good game against Philadelphia. You know, and so, you know, I think this was an area where they could basically, they got a chance to to turn in a player for another player, and it works out for them. So, Sonny Michelle was good for them. He, you know, helped them win Super Bowl 53. And I think moving forward, they'll, they'll have an opportunity to, uh, he'll have an opportunity to be a really good player for the Rams. But the Rams, you know, the, the Rams are all about their lack of depth. I mean, that's what the Rams push all their chips to the center of the table every year. And, and Sean does a great job. We'll see. I think it's a great trade for, for the Rams. I think they'll get a good back. Guy can carry it. He can help a little bit in the passing game. And they basically gave up nothing for him. 
Yeah, conditional fifth and sixth round pick. I couldn't agree more. That's not really much at all for a guy who I think is still a really good running back. Other takeaways from week two. Saints defeat the Jaguars 23-21. This was on Monday night. But the rookie running back, Travis Etienne, will miss the entire season. Liz Frank injury during the game. Urban Meyer, the Jags' first team offense, really struggled. They've scored a total of three points in eight games. People criticizing Urban Meyer, the offense. We'll talk ATM first. How big a blow is that with him now done? Well, I think, look, ATN is is obviously was learning. It certainly was going to be a nickel player. James Robinson, their backup, their, their starting running back last year, was really a good player. The concerns I have about Jacksonville are really about their offensive line. From the first play of the preseason, I mean, you know, they, the first play of the preseason, they had their starting offensive line out there against the Browns backups. They had Cam Robinson at left tackle. They had Jawan Taylor at, at, at right tackle, Kane, Linder. I don't think Norville played in the game. So they were basically four of their five, and, and the Browns just went by them. And Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, let me say this, we watched his, we watched his high school tape. I don't know if I've ever seen a better high school. Like, that was like— and everybody in the room was like, this is the greatest high school tape of any quarterback you could ever see. And that's how good it was. So, you know, Lawrence just didn't get any protection. I mean, they got to find a way to get some protection. I, I, I worry about I worry about Urban Meyer. He didn't look good on the sidelines Monday night. Did he look good to you? Looked like he had a real, you know, it looked like he either had a lot of gas or he was just having stomach problems. He looked more injured than Jalen Hurt did when he was dancing, I could tell you that. And they took Jalen Hurt to the hospital. So uh, I worry about this. Uh, I, I, I think I, I really respect Meyer for what he said about how he has to learn the pro game. And I think there is a huge learning curve for him, a huge learning curve. He doesn't have enough time with players, you know, it's going to be challenging. He wasted time with your man, with our man, uh, Tim Tebow. You know, I mean, that was just, that just showed you he really didn't understand the magnitude of what it's all going to be. And, and now he's into a league where you can't have padded practices. His team doesn't look, as Al Davis would say, organized and ready right now. It's going to take some time. And they've got a, a really good player, a quarterback. I'm not sure they're running the offense that quarterback wants to run. I'm not sure they're running the offense that Urban wants to run. Urban wants to run no te- tempo, play fast, all that. I, I worry about them. They're, they're, t- they're favored against the, the Houston Texans. Like, how is Jacksonville favored against anybody? Yeah, exactly. They're still a bad team and a team that has to get better do you take anything away from the fact Urban's yet to name Trevor Lawrence a starter? It seems a formality, but somebody else asked me about that, so I don't really get it. I don't get it either. I don't know. I mean, look, I like Gardner Minshew, and you know, I, but to me, you got five years to find out about Trevor Lawrence. What are we waiting on? I mean, he's ready to play. We got to do a better job of protecting him. The number one thing we got to do with any rookie quarterback is protect him. I mean, Zach Wilson, we got to protect him. You know, Mac Jones. The, I mean, here's how. Here's how screwed up things are in the NFL. I'm watching the Patriots play the Eagles, and the Patriots are chipping their way out into routes. Meanwhile, when you watch the championship game between the Packers and the Bucks, Matt LaFleur, he don't want to chip anybody on the way out. Like, poor Aaron Rodgers is back there, goddamn, and he's Billy, they can't, Billy Turner can't block the damn, can't block Jason Pierre Ball, but why would we want to chip him? Why would we chip him? We got to get five out in the route. So it's it's it really comes down to how do you visualize the coaching of all this? And this is why coaching is so important. And this is why the good coaches understand it. They get it. You know, they do the things you got to do to help your team win the game. Andy Reid, I'm going to practice my guy. I'm going to play guys in the preseason. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has played. Speaking of that, we watched his high school tape. Holy shit. He looks exactly like it does now. 
running around, changing direction, scrambling to his right, scrambling to his left, throwing the ball. And the only thing that wasn't on the field was Tyreek Hill. But I, I digress. Anyway, so the point here is, AD, that, you know, I mean, you got to play your, if they're playing their guys to get them ready, you better. Then there's a reason why they're doing it, and it's probably a good reason. Yeah, uh, New Orleans is a really interesting situation. Jameis Winston had another strong showing: nine of ten, 123 yards, 157.5 quarterback rating. He led the Saints to 14 points over three drives. Taysom Hill, not bad, 11 of 20, 138, one touchdown. I know you're a fan of Taysom Hill, and I, I think Sean Payton clearly is as well. But it feels like to me, Mike, just the way I'm watching it, I know Jameis has big numbers. He also has turnovers. We've discussed that before. He is turnover prone. But I feel like if you ask the Saints collectively, their fan base, the players, Jameis is the guy. But I feel like Sean Payton still feels like Taysom Hill might be the guy. How do you read it? I kind of read it the same way. I think after that game, if he doesn't name Winston the starter, he said he was going to name a starter early this week. And if he doesn't name Winston, then there's more to it than meets the eye. And a lot of it is simply how they run their offense. I mean, you know what Sean likes to do? You know, this whole idea that teams go to the line of scrimmage with a play. Like, no one goes to the line of scrimmage with a play, a singular play. Let's go run 34 roll. Okay, here we go. Like, they go to the line of scrimmage with two plays, three plays. And what New Orleans loves to do is New Orleans loves to motion and stop and then reset their play. So they, you know, they get into the line, they motion, they stop, and then they change the play. Because Breeze had command of it. Like, okay, here, we're going to go from this to that. Just based on the motion, based on where the corner is or how the corner aligns or the safety step, all these things that they have in the game plan. And so when that happens, your quarterback has to be really good at being able to handle it. So, and I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if Winston's doing that really well for them or if Taysom does a better job. But I do know this. I, I think the Saints with Sean understand how to make the quarterback look most effective. I think the issue Sean has, second order thinking again, if I start Winston, what happens with my role for Taysom Hill? Because the kid thinks he's a starting quarterback. Kid wants to be a starter. He's getting paid like a starter. That's never played. He's getting paid like a starter who's never played. So I think that's part of it. Like, how is he going to define the role, you know, for the quarterbacks? And I think it's, you know, and look, I thought Jacksonville's defense, we've said this all along. I think Jacksonville on defense is going to be a problem. They have no corners, even though they drafted C.J. Henderson in the first round last year. I know they signed Shaquille Griffin. They're going to struggle to play back in the back end. And if they're going to play Baltimore scheme and they're going to be a heavy induced in blitzing, you better be able to hold up a corner. And they're not going to be able to hold up a corner. Quick thought here on the Steelers. They beat the Lions 26-20. Big Ben, 8 of 10, 137 yards, two touchdowns. Perfect pass rating of 158.3. Revamped O-line, old Big Ben. They're now 3-0 in the preseason. I'm still skeptical he can stay healthy all year, but early thoughts on the Steelers and Roethlisberger? I thought Ben looked good. I thought he looked, I thought he threw the ball better with more crispness. I thought, he, I thought you know, look, they got him under center. Look, I, I've been saying this on this podcast forever. Quarterbacks need to get back under center a little bit. I mean, it's one of the things they're doing in Seattle with Russell Wilson. They want to put Russell under center. They want to get him so that he's not in shotgun. They have a more complete running game. People think Pete wants to just run the ball. No, Pete wants to be able to go no huddle. He wants to be able to run the ball, wants to have some play action passes off of a guy being under center. 
I mean, this is going to be the trend. You're going to watch it. And Ben being under center, I think, is going to help him because Nigel Harris is a really good player. And Nigel Harris can make some plays in the passing game. I was really bullish on Pittsburgh being able to be their under win total. I would lay off of it. I don't want to bet it because, A, Tomlin's really good. Tomlin's team he never doesn't have a losing record. And their ability with Ben to, to handle it is, is pretty good. So... Uh, you know, for me, I think Ben's. I think Ben has looked better. And you know, when you look at all these quarterbacks in here, you know, and we'll talk about it after the break. But you know, whether it's Lance or the Bronco quarterback, which we need to discuss, I, I think to me, Ben playing in the preseason, the way he looks, shows me that he's might be better than I thought he was going to be once the season starts. That'd be pretty cool to see. 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger, maybe one last kick at the can. Obviously, the black and gold is hoping that is the case. When we come back, as you mentioned, we'll talk about other quarterbacks, Trey Lance, the Broncos quarterback race too close to call, plus some more thoughts on overall teams and playoff odds. That's next in the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. We keep the conversation going around quarterbacks so far in the NFL preseason and Trey Lance. So he has struggled during his first three drives of the game in a win against the Chargers 15-10. Apparently did not look good during joint practice Thursday and Friday with the Chargers as well. But in the final three drives, seven of eight, 93 yards, and two touchdowns. Said Lance after the game, I think this week was huge just for my development as a football player. I think I learned so much this week getting to practice against another defense, getting to be around different guys, and have a different experience in a different setting. This is what you hope for, don't you, Mike, from preseason? This is what you want is a guy saying, hey, I'm learning stuff. I'm getting better on the fly. I know it's going to be a rocky road. But for all those that say preseason is worthless, well, here is why it's worthwhile for a guy like Trey Lance. What did you make of it, specifically his performance late? 
Well, I, I mean, look, it's great that he played better late, but it's insignificant because it, the game becomes a high school game late. It becomes cover three, cover two, cover one. It's a high school game. And no disrespect to Lance. I mean, Lance is not ready to be the starting quarterback. I don't care what, you know, the odds are that he's going to win the MVP. I don't care about any of that. He, he is, it, it, he's going, he's a work in progress. It doesn't mean he's going to be a bust. I'm not suggesting that at all. He's just not ready to be the starting quarterback right now. I mean, that's just, there's just no debating that. You know, I know the Twitter universe wants him to be the starter, but the reality is when you watch the games and you study the games, there's no chance he can do it. It's just he's late with the ball. He doesn't have a sense of rhythm yet. He's not comfortable. It's like Jamar Chase. He's dropping a ton of passes, right? Does that mean he has bad hands? No. You know what it means? It means he's thinking and trying to play football. It's not coming naturally to him. And this is what happens all that. Jerry Rice had, I think he had 12 drops his rookie year. I mean, it's just natural progression of a young player. This is what happens. And so, you know, Trey Lance... He, they don't They don't need Trey Lance to be the starter. They kept Jimmy Garoppolo. They need Trey Lance to develop into a good player, to, to build his confidence. Let him sit out. Let him wait. Have a little package for him, perhaps. But this rush to put him in the game, why? You had a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter with Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo didn't cost you that game. You know, you give up a third and 15 to Tyree Kill against zone coverage, and the guy, Mahomes, throws it down the field. You know, you didn't lose that game because of Garoppolo. You lost that game because your defense couldn't stop him on third and 15. So, you know, I, I think to me, this rush to put him in the game is really only could hurt him, not help him. And that's where it gets tricky is that what do you make of these joint practices? As you said, late in the game, who cares? Does the joint practice actually work being with another team? I do. I think it really helps you. I think it'll speed up their development and growth. I think, look, here's the reality. You know, and I've said this to, I told it to the Arizona football team. I've told it when I talked to the Patriots team. Mistakes are the greatest thing in practice. You want to make mistakes. You want to have bad practices. I know that all these people on Twitter are grading the practices like, oh, you know, uh, Trey Lance had a bad practice. How are you going to get better if you don't practice? Practice is practice. It's not rehearsal. We're not doing a Broadway play here. If you fub your lines on Broadway play and rehearsal, that's bad. But if you're practicing, it's good. You learn through it. You can learn from your mistakes. Now, if you keep making the same mistake over again, you're going to get cut. But this is practice. This is what it's there for. We've got to be able to do something shitty on tape. Let's go watch it, explain it. Don't do it again. That's how you get better. That's called growth. This whole idea, we've become, Twitter is now taken over to where, oh, he had a bad practice today. And, and the guy grading the practice doesn't even know what the fuck he's looking at, right? He has no idea, but he's grading it because he thinks he knows. Like, you want to make mistakes in practice. You want Trey Lance to have bad practices. You want this so that he can grow and get better and the game can start to slow down. Right now, the game's moving way too fast for him. And every throw, Trey Lance makes a fastball. He has no changeup. He has no slider. He has no... No, he's just fucking throwing that thing as hard as he could throw it. Slow down. Like Uncle Junior says, let's walk down the mountain, you know, and we'll get them all. <laughs> like, there's no one to run down. Then we'll walk down. Great line about the bull looking at all the sheep. I love that. Um, let's talk about the Broncos then, because they've played well this preseason, the quarterbacks, but they still have not named a starter. And you and I both feel like Denver's a good team. They're just going to figure out the quarterback. Here's what head coach Vic Fangio had to say. It's pretty damn close, and I think it's close for a good reason. The good news of this competition is we've got two quarterbacks we feel we can go with. I know some people think that Drew Locke is going to be the guy. How do you handle the Broncos quarterback situation? 
I would think it's going to be Locke. I just think because I think Elway's going to want it to be Locke. Because I think if they go with Locke and he struggles, they can go to Teddy. If they go with Teddy and he struggles, can they go back to Locke? Will Locke have enough confidence? That's my worry. Uh, I hear it could be Bridgewater. I mean, I talked to somebody last night, uh, and they tell me it could be Bridgewater. I don't really know. I think this. I think Denver's a really good team. I think Denver's really good on defense. I think Vic's a really good play caller on defense. I think Vic's defense is hard to play. I think they're going to be a challenge for teams, and I think their quarterback can't fuck it up. I think if he just takes the profits, doesn't try to get bigger than the game, manages the game successfully, you know, kind of does what Teddy Bridgewater typically likes to do, I think they'll have a chance to really be competitive and make a playoff run. And that's why I think that's the key, is that you say the Broncos have one of the best rosters in the NFL. This could be a team that carries along even mediocre quarterback play. That might get it done. Yeah, I mean, that's right. All, all we want to do is not lose the game at quarterback. Right, I'm not asking the quarterback to win the game. Just don't lose the game. Trent Dilfer, when he was in Baltimore, he didn't lose the game for them when they won the Super Bowl. Like win the, don't win the game for us. Just don't lose the game. Don't make stupid mistakes. Don't try to be bigger than you really are. You know, don't take 15 three pointers when you don't shoot three pointers very well. Like just know who you are. Play within the system, and then you've got a better chance. A quick thought here on Carson Wentz. The timetable was a little odd, wasn't it? Five to 12 weeks. Well, now coming back to practice after three weeks has to be a positive sign after undergoing ankle surgery earlier this month. Wentz is optimistic he'll be ready for week one, so it's going to be up to the doctors. As long as there's nothing that I can do to injure myself and make it worse, I know I played through a lot worse. And head coach Frank Reich said, I'm probably a little bit surprised. It feels to me like we are maybe a week ahead of schedule. Wentz is going to be the guy, and we know they have a really good team, obviously an excellent defense, but considering the fact he's got a history of injuries, wouldn't you be a little cautious here when it comes to Wentz? I think they will be. I do. I think they will be. But I think once he's cleared to play, and if he can function and he's not limping or doing that, if you're cleared to play and you can operate effectively, you might as well go with it, right? I'm not a doctor, but look, I, I think September's an extension of the preseason. And if I'm Chris Ballard, all I care about is getting through September 2-2, two and two, winning the home games, you know, playing good, building my team, because November and December is going to be whether I make the most progress. So I think it's really more than just do we play Wentz or not. Like, let's make sure our team is building up to a crescendo of November in December. So, you know, look, I think if he's cleared to play and he's kind of getting his feet on the ground, it's going to be a little rusty. We know that. I think I think what Frank Wright does a good job of is understanding what the players do well and what they don't. And I think he'll put Wentz in the right spots. And then there's Lamar Jackson. Every few years, there's a new scheme or a player that takes the league by storm. The Wildcat, Colin Kaepernick, running the Super Bowl. Eventually, teams adjust. They figure things out. Lamar Jackson has a unique skill set. He was asked about it on Tuesday, whether or not defenses can figure out. His response, I doubt it, dude. Listen, we've talked about Lamar Jackson, the fact he's tested twice for COVID. So I think that's a more important concern. But in terms of game planning for Lamar Jackson, do you think defenses will be able to um, at least I don't want to say figure it out, but make adjustments and make progress in defending Lamar this year. I don't. I think Lamar could do, you know, it's hard to defend because it's hard to defend the speed of him. It's hard to defend the arm of him. It's hard to defend the elements of him. You know, it looks good on paper, but when you don't contain him and he runs for 50 yards, what, what happens? Look, I mean, the number one thing, and let's just be really clear. I like Greg Roman. Greg Roman grew up in Ventnor. I think he's a really good guy. I've spent time with him. He's been great to my son, but the, really the onus is on Greg Roman. Greg Roman has to have a drop back pass game. Greg Roman in his career has always been able to run the football. Greg Roman in his career in the National Football League has struggled to throw the football. I mean, I'm not talking like it's just a fact. 
it's just a fact. And for Greg, for this offense to take a giant step forward, I think he needs to put Lamar under center. I think he needs to be able to use bootlegs and nakeds with Lamar, utilize his skill set on threatening the edge, give him some really easy throws down the field. You know, we know he doesn't throw the ball to the outside quadrants very well, and then allow that. Now, their offensive line has been in disarray so far this preseason. They're kind of struggling. However, that being said, I think that Lamar, if he does those things and Roman is able to develop a passing game, a passing game, where if they get behind in the game, they can come back. Baltimore is brilliant at getting the lead, and they're very hard to play when they do that. But I think that that's what they need to do. I think trading Hayden Hirsch really hurt them because Lamar is so good at throwing the ball in the middle of the field. And I think what Roman has to do is find a way to get Lamar those easy throws like Baker Mayfield has outside. That's the story when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens. As always, send us your mailbag questions to the GM Shuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. This is from Mac in Texas. From every account we've seen from the preseason and training camp, rookies that took last season off in college because of COVID are really struggling. Jamar Chase can't catch a cold. Benet Sewell can't block a beach ball. I get these guys were top prospects, but our team is regretting taking them so high right now. I don't think they are at all. I think the reality of it is simply this. I think that they have to figure out a way to stop thinking and play. Now, look, Sewell's playing right tackle. He's used to playing in a left-handed side. So there's a little bit of an adjustment. I mean, look, this is, we're not, as Uncle June said, we're not filming a Hollywood movie here. It's not a Western. It's going to take some time and we got to get that thing going. Yeah, and I think you're right. As far as those players, listen, it's early. I mean, uh, Jamar Chase, I think is going to be a really good receiver. Sewell, we know, is a great player. So that's just going to take time. That would be very premature, I think, to already be regretting after two weeks of training camp. Um, Let's get to the pop culture minute. I know you've been on the road. Uh, I've got the latest episode of Cinephile coming out on Apple Podcasts, and it features an interview with Ken Burns, America's foremost documentarian. Listen, I love his work, whether it's baseball, jazz, national parks. You and I have talked about it, Hemingway here on the podcast. I talked to Ken about a bunch of that and his new documentary, which is about Muhammad Ali. September 19th, it comes out on PBS. Four parts, seven and a half hours. I think it's absolutely outstanding. The big thing I said to him, Mike, I said, why Ali? Like, I think you and me, sports guys, we all know the stories of Muhammad Ali, like Beats Liston, Thrill in Manila, Rumble in the Jungle, uh, Lights a Torch in Atlanta, like obviously an incredible hero, but what new are you learning from the documentary? And his answer was great, which was that, hey, listen, don't you have a favorite movie? Don't you have a favorite show? Obviously, The Sopranos for you and me, a favorite book. Great stories and, and stories of greatness never get old, and it's always timeless, and it's very comprehensive the way he looks at Muhammad Ali. So, Great talk with Kim Burns. I look forward to the Ali documentary. Everyone checking it out in September. I can't wait, AD. I can't wait. I, I, I mean, look, it's I'm reading a book about Elvis because I think there's some times in life where we these icons like Elvis. Like I, I, I was listening. We were listening to it. He had song, and I, I don't know enough about Elvis. Like I don't think I know enough about Muhammad. Ali, other than what was said, you know, like some of the stuff that kind of gets regurgitated. And I'm sure Burns will peel back layers for us to to educate us on something that's different. So I'm really looking forward to it. Totally. And the stuff with Hemingway I brought up, because I know you and I both love the documentary. I asked him, would Hemingway get canceled today? The misogynistic behavior, the cruelty to animals, or would he actually be more comfortable today because of stuff about gender fluidity and androgynous behavior? And Burns said, listen, I think all greatness would still exist. Like Ernest Hemingway was a brilliant writer, period. So he still would survive today, which I thought was an interesting answer. I think so too. I mean, look, you know, the way the man put words together, you know, I think is just remarkable. And, you know, I, I think 
look, it, it's so hard to, to predict, but talent always rises. And I think people can recognize great writing and great talent. And I think Hemingway would be as prolific today as he ever was. Yeah, well said. Uh, definitely check out Ken Burns and that interview on Cinephile. And as always, check out Mike's work as he is all over the place right now traveling. Have fun on the road, man. I hope Vegas is a blast. I'll be home next week, AD. We'll get it going. Love it. Thanks, buddy. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.